Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, spring is almost here and I'm so ready for the warmer weather. Maybe not the pollen, but the pirates are going to have a season, so that's something. Music and art festivals are coming back. There's something else. And soon there will be enough people outside that the geese can't take over the north side because I can't stand those geese. All right, let's round up the week in news. It's Friday, March 18th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Today I'm with lead producer Matt Stroud. Hi. And newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Hey, Morgan. Francesca, why don't you kick us off? What's grinding your gears this week? So workers' rights must be my beat because a couple of weeks ago I talked about the strained staff at the Allegheny County 911 dispatchers, and now I'm going to talk about another county staffing problem, the Health Department's Food Safety Program. Ooh. Yeah. So there was a story reported by Charlie Wolfson at Public Source about how the county employs less than half its budgeted number of inspectors, and the first two months of 2022 saw pretty unusually low number of restaurant inspections. Um, So this team is responsible for inspecting more than 8,000 restaurants and food facilities at least once per year. Do you guys want to guess the number of employees they have to cover those 8,000 restaurants? A (laughs) hundred. I mean, it should be like hundreds at least. Yeah, you would think. A hundred seems low. Yeah, a hundred does seem low. Well, you'll be really disappointed to know that it is nowhere near that number. Currently, the county only employs 14 people. What? 14. 14. I I cannot even imagine how stretched they are to cover all of those uh, places that they need to inspect. Um, but they do have a budget of 30. So they're about half um, half of what they have a budget for. And 30 even seems low compared to you know your initial reaction there. Why are they so understaffed? Well, uh, you know, in this article, a former manager from the food inspectors said that the salary is like the number one problem that they have with retaining staff. The starting salary is 31680 Jeez. Right. That's pretty low. Yeah. How does that compare with with other you know, salaries that uh, that the city has, that the county has in this area. Yeah, there's um, a review of the county payroll data that Charlie did. And uh, these inspectors are paid less than like clerks and administrative assistants throughout the county government. Um, I personally think like the most curious thing about this is the fact that these applicants or people looking to become um, health inspectors, they have to have a bachelor's degree and a science field and a car. Um, so I don't know. I don't feel like this is a living wage considering all of the qualifications they need to have, um, as well as, you know, what it takes to actually operate in the job. So so food inspectors are kind of like the first line of defense between me and chronic diarrhea. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what 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 do food inspectors do? Um and and I guess kind of like for what they do is is the pay worth it? I mean, we would hope because we rely on that for our safety. You know, they have to ensure like exactly what you said, that food preparation and employee hygiene practices are followed. 
so they can prevent foodborne illnesses like salmonella, norovirus, E. coli, you know, you know, all the dirty ones. Um, I hope none of you have been <laughs> affected by this. Um, I am lucky to say that I have never. But, you know, they they prioritize how they inspect based on like a number of factors, including um, the number of complaints that a specific facility or restaurant has, as well as like violation history. So they kind of have to address them that way. But it like begs the question, like, how much can they actually accomplish? And how can they get to these places with such a low number of staff? Think about how many complaints they must have to get to jump forward and actually inspect a restaurant. Yeah, Like it must be like hundreds and hundreds of people must have to say like, this restaurant is really dirty. Go check it out. Matt, that's actually not the case. It only takes a couple of uh, complaints to actually trigger this and have someone follow up or, or you know, for the county to be aware of it. Hmm. This was an issue at least as, as far back as 2015. Um, there's a Trib article that references it. So it really seems like this is a similar problem to um, the 911 dispatchers that we talked about a couple weeks ago. We can, you know, we can shout out that previous uh, podcast episode. <laughs> okay, Francesca, how can I avoid foodborne illness and see if my favorite places are up to practice and if some places I'm thinking about are have chefs that need to wash their hands more. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is all public information and you can find the status of any restaurant using a lookup tool on the county site. We can put that link in the show notes. Um, so I guess dig in if you if you dare. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. Well, uh, from that story to something a little bit more serious, but it's pretty good news, I think. Police reform is starting to happen in some local departments here in the county with the help of social workers. So a couple of townships, um, well, in boroughs, Hampton Township and Wilkinsburg Police Departments have brought on full-time social workers, or at least one or two, um, to help respond to crises. Millville is also looking into it. I think right now they have like a couple of interns that can do that. And a lot of these crises that happen in our community are the result of mental health issues. Um, and so it's very helpful to have somebody really on the scene and, um, and on the phone with these people to, that can actually provide them the help that they need that isn't them going to jail. Yeah, Morgan, I'm really glad you brought up this story. I think it's just incredibly important to remember that people are struggling with issues that go beyond law enforcement. Right. I don't know if you guys have ever had to deal with a social worker in the past, but like they're literally angels. <laughs> um, for, for whatever reason you may encounter them, they are so helpful. And it's just, it's so surprising to me with how well that these social workers are received as well as the interns like how we didn't have this earlier. Um, I'm glad it's happening now, but it's just, it seems so obvious. You right. Know? It seems like a very simple fix to something and, and something that I feel like a lot of people in the public have been demanding over the past few years. You know, a lot of people have brought up the topic of defunding the police, um, but this is kind of a way that works with that reform or at least police reform, you know, that isn't necessarily taking away, but maybe redirecting funds to a place that is actually going to help people. Yeah. And in, in the case here, we're not actually talking about redirecting funds to other departments. They're not like getting rid of, rid of any police officers. They are simply bringing on social workers, interns even, 
as an experiment. Right. But, you know, kind of the downside of that is that interns can only work, you know, so many hours a week. And we all know that, like, crisis can happen at any time. So it's kind of a matter of at least staffing them with the help that they need. Yeah. In in a lot of these circumstances, what, what ends up happening and what has happened in, uh, in police shootings, other kinds of violence that occur between police and people uh, who were there at a scene is a police, a police officer will show up and there will be somebody who they can't control. And a police officer is supposed to be trained in de-escalation tactics, meaning, you know, ways that social workers might use to help that person calm down and be calm. Um, but officers are equipped with tasers and firearms and pepper spray and all sorts of other things that they tend to go to because they're just trying to get the situation controlled. Um, and having a social worker there to participate in that situation, somebody who's not armed and who might be able to talk somebody down right. um, instead of threatening them with a weapon seems like a really smart way to approach uh, that kind of situation. Yeah. And that's that's part of the problem. You know, usually when um, I mean, Anytime I've seen the police show up, but certainly if I were was the per the reason that somebody has called the police, their presence, the presence of somebody in uniform and armed does not necessarily de-escalate a situation at all. No. Um, right. You know, they have provided these social workers with like a safety vest, but also a bulletproof vest, you know, but they are more skilled at talking someone down from a situation and at least finding out what the root of the problem is rather than exactly trying to just immediately contain and control um, whatever seems to be the issue. What I think is interesting about these situations is you hear about this kind of approach in an experimental phase around the country. There have been several cities that have tried this, that have tried to roll out social work programs, but it's always in exactly the kind of circumstance that is described in this public source article. It's like, yeah, we talked to the police union head and they thought that this sounded like a great idea. And we talked to the police chief and yeah, this would be an all right idea. So we bring in interns to try it out. Hampton looks like they've actually hired someone, which is a which is a step forward. Yeah. But it's rare that you see it actually grow into a big program and a major part of what a police force actually does on a day to day basis. Yeah. And there's a couple other places, too, in Allegheny County that are looking to at least at the moment, bring on interns to try it out. Um, I think Millville is is one of the areas, along with Ross Township and Sharpsburg. They're all going to be hiring interns uh, pretty soon, too. So it's, it's nice. You know, it's kind of something that might start small, but really is something that I think, you know, a police department desperately needs and could really make the outcome a lot of the of a lot of these situations not fatal. So, Morgan, like, I can't imagine that this is entirely new to the city of Pittsburgh. Do you know if there have been any other scenarios where people have, like, pushed for efforts like this in the past? Yeah. So it's not anything new to this area. It's not really anything new even to the country. It's happened in a few different places. But here, former Zone 5 commander uh, Jason Lando pushed for this for years. Now he's chief in Frederick, Maryland. Um, and they've actually got a dedicated crisis car unit. So, oh, you know, wow. I guess he went there, yeah, and made some sort of change. But um, yeah, lots of other cities have been rolling out a similar program. So and I don't I kind of wonder if this is in response to what's happened, you know, what we've seen over the past couple years during the pandemic. I've heard people say that one reason that social workers can't be looked at as a solution is that there aren't enough in the county either. Um, that's a response, I suppose. But 
if you create these units and take them out of their experimental phase and actually put some funding toward it, toward it then maybe you'll have more social workers who are going to specifically move in this direction to work with police departments in the future. And so maybe it will eventually move out of that phase. And Matt, are you ready? <laughs> 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 I am. I was interested in a story from Next Pittsburgh this week. They have a story about a pirate ship that is now going to sail Pittsburgh's three rivers. And they have a liquor license. Uh-oh. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course pirates would have the liquor. <laughs> <laughs> they went uh, very simple with the name of the company. The company is called Pittsburgh Pirate Ship. Um, but the ship itself, they're calling it a Kraken. A kraken is an enormous <laughs> mythical sea monster said to appear off the coast of Norway. And it is also now an enormous uh, uh, pirate ship, I guess, uh, that's going to be on the Three Rivers. It's going to have 18 water cannons. Um, what? And, Do, can, are they functional? <laughs> I guess so. What? No, really? <laughs> yeah. No. It's 40 feet long. I don't even know if that's big for a ship. Sounds big to me. Uh, 13 feet wide. Um, and yeah, 18 water cannons. And it's approved by the U.S. Coast Guard for 35 passengers. Oh, my goodness. It's going to operate seven days a week. Cost is $12 for passengers ages 3 to 12 and $25 for adults. And you can rent the whole Kraken for $675 an hour. Where where does it go? I'm not sure about the specific path that the boat is going to take, the pirate ship is going to take. But... I believe it's going to be something similar to what the Gateway Clipper follows and the Good Ship Lollipop and the others, because these all need to be approved by the U.S. Coast Guard before they move forward. You know what I love about this? Um, I remember whenever the pirate ship came out last year, um, I know that this new pirate ship is a little bit bigger and more decorated, I think. But the the owner is actually a Navy veteran. He was in the Navy for six years. I just think it's kind of fun. Like This is his post um you know post military career or his his business i, I think that's kind of neat i i've been on you know different boats on the river um i think most recently the gateway clipper i've taken like one of those tours where they give like weird facts about pittsburgh as you know you you go down the river but matt what what kind of experience have you had i feel like a pirate ship is going to be a little bit rockier <laughs> than the big gateway clipper. Part of the reason why I was so interested in this is that I, I thought back and I realized I, have, I don't think I have ever been on an actual boat on the river. And this might be the opportunity to do that. I haven't, haven't even done, done one of those ducky tours. Like after there was... Uh, oh, not after they've... What what happened there? I forget. <laughs> they they were like they were like burning and sinking. There were quite a few people that died what? in one. Yeah, like a few years ago. It was uh, so they stopped doing the tours. I think they found that like the boats were in Missouri. I think were on it. It happened in a couple other places. I think it also happened in Philly. But like that whole ducky boat tour line thing just got completely shut down. Uh, you know what I was thinking about whenever I saw this. Um, the the people who dress up at the pirate games, the uh, the renegades of the rotunda, this would be <laughs> perfect for them. They totally need to like dress up in their pirate gear, get on the boat, and do that before a game or something like that. I feel like it's made for them. <laughs> you know, I was curious. The company is saying that it's going to give the ship a Yinzer makeover, and I was trying to figure out what that could be. But yeah, that, maybe that that's it. Maybe that's it, Francesca. Maybe they figured it out. They're going to hire the the Rotunda guys. They might as well. I mean, it is pretty perfect considering our baseball team, the Pirates. Um, just wish that 
you know, they were doing better yeah, <laughs> or they were more uh, celebratory, I guess, um, to, to go on one of these, these pirate ships. I don't know if it's really my style. Um, I'm not much of a partier on the poop deck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Sunday is the start of the astrological new year. To mark the start of the spring equinox, I asked CityCast crew how they're celebrating the season. Lead producer, Matt Stroud. I always go to Frick Park and try to play some tennis on the clay courts because um, uh, spring is the first time when you can get there and not uh, you know, be swimming in mud. So that'll be happening sometime soon. Newsletter editor, Francesca DeBecco. I'm just so excited to get outside and start walking, going to Riverview Park, uh, but I'm actually this weekend going to go to a magic market, so sort of celebrating all things spring equinox. I'm really excited about it. That's at Lawrenceville Distilling. Um, you should check it out. Senior producer, Megan Harris. I celebrated like a true Pittsburgher in advance this week by wearing shorts and squinting into the sun as if I haven't seen it in months, because we haven't. That's Pittsburgh in the winter. And I will be stocking up on Zyrtec. I usually clip coupons this time of year and try to find the ones that are $4 off Zyrtec because allergy season is upon us and I also need that and allergy eye drops. So that's how I celebrate. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. If you don't already, please subscribe to our morning newsletter. It is wonderful. And we'll be back Monday with more news from around the city. See you then.